You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now for many days, the people of Medina are anxiously waiting. Under the hot sun, they would come out, waiting any minute, the Prophet is now going to enter their city. They would actually line up in the streets. 500 of the Ansar, 500 horsemen, in a show of respect and love for the Prophet, they come out pouring in the streets when the Prophet now enters. Medina is ecstatic, it's jubilant. These 500 men come surrounding the Prophet to tell him that we support you, and we are with you. And everyone in Medina was shouting, Ya Muhammad, Ya Rasulullah. Kids, women, people would actually go on their rooftops trying to see if they could identify the Prophet as he would pass by. And then when they saw the beautiful face of the Prophet some historical accounts tell us, everyone collectively recited these lines of poetry which you're all familiar with. The moon has now become visible. From Thaniyat al Wada'. Thaniyat al Wada'a was a place in Medina which basically was the entrance point to Medina. Now, the reason why it was called Thaniyat al Wada'a, Wada'a in Arabic means farewell. When you would leave the city of Medina, you would take that route like the entrance exit point, that's where you would farewell the traveler. So that's why we have that naming for it, Thaniyat al-Wada. So the Prophet entered from that entry point and so in their line of poetry, they're saying the moon has now become apparent to us. The moon has risen from Thaniyat al-Wada because that's the place the Prophet entered from. Now in Jahiliyyah, by the way, those, some crazy Arabs, they had this superstition that when you enter this entry point of Medina, in order for you to be protected from like the devils, from omens, and from a very bad type of fever, which was known in Medina, a very bad type of fever, you had to stop at that entry point, and then you had to make the voice of a donkey, you know the voice of the donkey? In Arabic we call it Nahiq, Nahiq al-Himar. What do you call that in English? Does it have a name? Does it have a name? In any case, that sound of, you know, that the donkey makes when it starts yelling. So basically the Arabs believed that in order for you to protect it from this bad fever, stop at this plate called Thaniyat al-Wuda' and start yelling like a donkey, you'll be protected. This was, this was the life of an average Arab by the way crows, donkeys, what have you. They had all these superstitions and myths and legends. Now alhamdulillah with the advent of Islam, you know, the Prophet gave them awareness and they abolished a lot of these superstitions. So the Prophet enters from there and that's why they mention this in the line of poetry. So طَلَعَ الْبَدْرُ عَلَيْنَا مِنْ ثَنِيَّاتِ الْوَدَاعِ وَجَبَ الشُّكْرُ عَلَيْنَا مَا دَعَى لِلَّهِ دَاعِ Therefore, it is our duty to be thankful for this blessing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
till the day when even one person on the face of the earth prays to Allah. As long as there's one person who worships God, Oh Allah, we thank you for sending us your messenger, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. Oh, the one who has been sent to us, you brought that command which we shall obey. You have come and blessed the city of Medina. So we welcome you, oh, the one who is the best of all callers who call to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beautiful lines of poetry. Now, when you find scholars examining these lines of poetry, I've even examined like the work of some Sunni scholars to say what they say about, about this. Some of them find these accounts doubtful. They're not sure if this happened and if these lines of poetry were said. One reason why they doubt this is the following. They're like Thaniyat al-Wada' that area in Medina, according to their research, is situated to the north of Medina. The road that takes you north to Sham, to Syria and the Palestine region. Quba is situated to the south of Medina. So if the Prophet is entering Medina from Quba, he would enter from which side? Obviously from the southern point, that southern entry. Whereas Thaniyat al-Wada' is on the northern side. So this doesn't add up. Why are they saying in these lines of poetry that you, the moon has risen from Thaniyat al-Wada' when the Prophet did not enter from the north, he entered from the south. Therefore, some scholars, including a few Shia scholars, they believe this incident happened nine years later after the Prophet became victorious at the Battle of Tabuk and he entered Medina because Tabuk is towards the northern side of, you know, it's, it's close to the Riyadh region today. It's northeast. Uh, when you want to come to Medina, you would come from the northern route on your way back from Tabuk. It's at that time that when the Prophet was greeted with these lines, not when he first entered Medina. What's our take on that? According to the research of many historians, Medina had two thaniyat al-wada'. It had the northern entry exit point and the southern one. They were both called thaniyat al-wada'. Because if your traveler was going north, that's where you would farewell them. If they were going south, that's where you would farewell them. So we had two. So this is not a valid objection then. The Prophet entered from the southern point and that was called thaniyat al-wada'. So that's why historically most of our scholars have accepted this report. That when the Prophet entered the city of Medina, he was greeted by these beautiful lines of poetry. Now interestingly, you will find some people, some so-called scholars in history, using the incident of Tala al-Badru alayna, they have made a claim that singing in Islam is what? Permissible. Why? Because you had women also singing these lines. Aisha in one hadith she narrates that even the women they started singing Tala al-Badru alayna. Everybody was dancing and singing and the Prophet entered and he didn't rebuke them. He didn't stop them. And when the Messenger of God sees something, if it's an act of corruption, if it's a sin, he should have stopped them, but he didn't. Therefore singing is halal in Islam. Some of them has, have used this argument even until today. 
Uh, no, he was not married. Well, their sources indicate that he had done the aqid on her. He had done the contract, but the marriage was not consummated yet. But even if he wasn't married to her, she did come. You know, when uh, when when Abu Bakr migrated to Medina, she also migrated, so she was present there. And she's narrating to us that when the Prophet entered Medina, these women were singing these lines of poetry. What's our response to that? First of all, salamu alaikum. There is no evidence that they were singing. Because see, we have recitation and we have singing. Sometimes you could recite lines of poetry and other times you can actually sing them. You know, in, in Islamic law, singing is that voice which contains what is called tarji'a. It's a specific way of modifying your voice to sing it, right? Therefore, the accounts that we have do not say that they were actually singing these lines. They were just reciting them, collectively reciting them. So there's no proof that they were actually singing, the haram type of singing. They were just reciting those lines of poetry. You know, you've heard like, uh, you know, reciters, right? When they do a majlis or recite some lines, they could sometimes recite it with a beautiful voice too, but that's not technically singing. Singing is defined in a very particular way. You know, the singers have their own way of singing. And it's not proven that the way it was recited was actually singing. That's number one. Any, any? In the movie, they, they showed that they used drums and all that. We'll, we'll get to that. The deaf, yes. But let's now talk about the singing itself, like the voice and the singing. So there's no evidence for that. Number two, it's not clear to us that the voice of the woman in particular was discernible such that it would be haram. Because imagine thousands of people in the streets, men, women, kids, everyone is collectively reciting something. Like have you, you know, heard people collectively like recite the national anthem? You can't distinct their voices, right? You've got a lot of people making a statement, reciting something. So you can't actually identify the voice of a woman in, in all those gatherings, in all those recitations. Therefore, this is not evidence that women can sing in front of men, like some have tried to use this as evidence. See, a woman can sing in front of men because they're singing in front of the Prophet and he never stopped them. That's not a valid claim because when collectively people recite, you can't even dis discern the voices. So it does not become to a point where it becomes haram. Yes, a discernible voice, a woman singing in front of men, that's haram, obviously. Number three, maybe it's possible that at that point in, in, in time when the Prophet had first migrated, singing was not declared haram yet. Remember, Islamic laws were revealed in graduation. Gradually they were revealed. In fact, hijab, when was hijab revealed? Mecca or Medina? Medina. When the Prophet entered Medina on that day, hijab was not wajib in the religion of Islam. Yes, it was a good moral thing to do, but it was not a wajib act. Later Allah reveals the verses about hijab. Many, many acts, many obligations were revealed in Medina. As society was now prepared and they were more mature, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends them the laws. So even if they say, fine, they were singing. We have found evidence they were singing. Or like you mentioned, they were beating the drums. 
fine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not outlawed that yet in the religion of Islam. Later we have evidence that the Prophet outlawed singing and he made it clear that singing is haram. So you can't use this incident and say singing is halal because the Prophet entered Makin, Medina and people were singing and he didn't stop them. Maybe it was not haram yet. Yes. But drums generally and during that time in villages, they were all they were always present. When anybody would enter, they always had, it was like a doorbell. That's the final point that I want to share with you. Finally, beating the drum, even according to Islamic law and the opinion of most scholars is not haram to begin with. It's not considered a musical instrument. It's not considered an instrument for singers. In fact, people when they wanted to get ready for battle, they would beat the drums. If there was a public announcement in the city, they would beat the drums. If someone important was entering the village, they would beat the drums. It was not an act that singers would solely do in their concerts or singing sessions. Therefore, according to many scholars, just beating the drum is not haram. In fact, today, if you go to Najaf, Qom, Karbala, during the Arba'in or other seasons, you find the drum being beaten. Don't, haven't you heard that? If you participate in those processions, right? The Aza, you will, hit the, you, will, you will hear the drums being beaten. And there's a reason why they do that, of course. But that's not haram. So the fact that they had the drum or that type of deaf, we actually have clues that the type of deaf they were using was the normal one that was used for all occasions. It was not one that was specifically used by singers. So it was halal to begin with. Why would the Prophet prohibit them? They weren't doing anything halal. The last final point about this, let's assume what they were doing was halal. Let's just assume that. When the Prophet is now entering the city of Medina and these people are out to receive him, and they were ignorant, they did not know any better, they really wanted to show their love. It wasn't appropriate for the Prophet to stop and rebuke them and hey, this is haram. Because Allah says to the Prophet, ud'u ila sabili rabbik, call to the path of Allah, with what? Bil hikmah, with wisdom. Wisdom means that you find the appropriate time and place to ex explain Islamic laws. When you're in the middle of this whole parade and people are here. Mecca just kicked you out and they wanted to kill you. Medina's receiving you and you want to stand there and rebuke them? That's not appropriate. Even, even if we say what they were doing was not appropriate, fine. That wasn't the time to, to tell them. Later on, you get to know them, you build the masjid, then you educate the people. That's wisdom and hikmah. Unlike some people, unfortunately, especially when we, we see with those rigid schools of thought, you know, have you gone to the Hajj and you've seen how they deal with some of these pilgrims? It's like Shimon and Yazid are standing before you. So rigid, so rude, so disrespectful. The Prophet in his life was never rude. He would not do something inappropriate, something that would be rude. Never in his life did he do something like that. So this is in no way evidence that singing is allowed and you know, these musical instruments are allowed. In any case, the Prophet enters Medina. Now the Ansar, the people of Medina, are begging the Prophet, come to my house, come to my house, stay here, stay here. What did the Prophet do? The Prophet said, let's follow the camel. 
Sunni and Shia sources have documented this. It's been given instruction. Wherever the camel settles, I'll settle. Where does the camel go? The camel goes, according to some historical accounts, to a spacious piece of land which belonged to two orphan boys by the name of Sahl and Suhail, who lived under the protection of As'ad ibn Zurara. Now that place was the closest, the closest house to that place was the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Some reports tell us he was the poorest man in Medina. But look at the system of Allah. He was the poorest man in Medina, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted his greatest messenger to settle in his house. So the camel goes in that land, the closest house to it was Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, so that was an indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted his Prophet to settle in that house. So the Prophet goes and he is now the guest of Abu, Ansur, uh, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, the poorest man in Medina. Just look at the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is telling people, look, I don't look at your wealth and your social status. I chose the poorest man in Medina, I gave him that honor because he was humble in his heart, he was a good man. So the Prophet stays in his house, how long does he stay in his house? We've got numerous reports, one report says one year, one report says seven months, we have some reports that say one month. In any case the Prophet when he enters Medina, he now begins the construction of his mosque in Medina and also his house which was adjacent to the mosque, like right by the masjid. In fact, the Prophet would open his door and he would enter the mosque. When that was completed, the Prophet left the house of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari and he settled in his own room. 